Hey there, Cougar fans. Welcome to episode six of the Holy City Hoops podcast. As always, I'm Tommy Glasgow. Joining me tonight is Cullen Baldwin. He's another writer over at HolyCityHoops.com. And we are recording this immediately after the Oklahoma State game. So you're going to get our unfiltered reactions to everything that happened. Obviously a tough loss for CFC, their first of the season. So we talk about everything that happened there. But we also recap the other game this week, which was a very convincing win over a solid Rhode Island team inside TD Arena. After that, we get into our preview of the Advocare Invitational. That tournament is the next challenge for the Cougars. And it begins Thanksgiving night against a very good top 25 LSU team. Maybe you're listening to this podcast as you travel to your Thanksgiving destination. And then Cullen and I wrap up by taking a look around the CAA. So Northeastern just finished their run at the Charleston Classic. JMU is 4-0. Devontae Kaycock just broke another record up at UNCW. Lots of good stuff going around the league. So OK State reactions, a Rhode Island recap, Advocare Invitational preview, and a look around the CAA. That's the agenda for this episode, and it's a pretty good one. So remember to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Holy City Hoops Instagram page is getting going, and that's something you should be following. And subscribe to the podcast. That's it. Hope you all enjoy. All right, Cullen Baldwin is here. Cullen, the OK State game just wrapped up. We've got some rapid reactions for it. Was hoping we'd come in and the Cougars would be 4-0, but unfortunately they just didn't have it tonight. OK State wins this one. What were your overall impressions from the game? Yeah, I mean, it was a tough pill to swallow there. Um, offensively, we were, we were struggling to get anything going out there. Uh, shots were just not dropping. You know, early on, things were promising. I thought we came out of the gates hot. Not as much of a slow start as we're accustomed to here, but ultimately, you know, I, I think the the athleticism caught up to us there, and, and they were able to dominate the boards and uh, just get more baskets than us tonight. Yeah, it's true. We we didn't get off to that slow start that's been kind of plaguing the team in the first couple games. But yeah, not the best offensive performance tonight. And one run in particular, one 10-minute stretch really kind of doomed Charleston right. tonight. So they were CFC was up eight with under five to go in the half. And before the first media timeout of the second half, they were down 15. So I think it was a 28-3 to run over those two halves that just really put Charleston into a hole that they just couldn't dig themselves out of. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we kind of squandered that lead there at the end of the first half. I think we went in into halftime down 30, 27. And then I don't know, you know, if they had some of uh, Michael's secret potion there in the uh, locker room for OK state, cause they came out knocking down all their threes in the second half, uh, especially early. And uh, at that point, you know, we were playing from behind. And I don't think a Coach Grant team is necessarily designed to play from behind. You know, we like to play at a little slower pace. That's a good point. I mean, some of the things I was a little bit worried about with this team, even when they started 3-0, and sort of reared their heads. So the team, I mean, so far does not seem to have much shooting. I right. think they came into the game shooting something like 24 or 26% from three, which was dead last in the CAA going into the Oklahoma State game. And then in this one, 19% from three. Just not going to get it done with that kind of shooting. If you can't keep up with the team athletically with, with a bigger team, if you can't dominate the glass, you have to hit some shots to, to make it a fair fight. And Charleston was just not hitting shots 
there were some open opportunities, but not enough to uh, to kind of keep pace with a, a bigger 12 team there. Yeah, definitely. When you're playing a bigger, more athletic team like that, you got to knock down those threes to give yourself a road upset. And um, unfortunately, they just weren't dropping tonight. So let's talk a little bit. I think we have to start with Grant Riller. Mm-hmm. He had a, a tough game against Rhode Island. Rhode Island was had obviously studied some tape on him. They were ready for his his first step. They were ready for some of his go-to moves. And then I was worried that teams were going to kind of do the same thing. It seemed like OK State was really zeroed in on, on Grant. So he finishes with just seven points, two for 14 from the field, 0 for 4 from 3. He had four assists but three turnovers. Would you, uh, what would you kind of grade Grant Riller in this one? Yeah, you know, the, the, it's tough because he he seems to be having a, you know, like a Galblock junior season when, when everybody started double teaming him out of nowhere. Um, I'm a little shocked it didn't start happening at the end of last year, but uh, like you said, Rhode Island kind of had a game plan for him, and, and I think maybe Oklahoma State picked up on that, saw that, um, you know, that was working out well for him. And ultimately, I think we're seeing like Jarrell be the main beneficiary of, of Grant getting doubled, and um, some guys like Jalen and Brevin are able to contribute a little more, but at some point the offense is going to have to run less through Grant if he's going to see these double teams consistently every night. It's going to be interesting to see how he adjusts. In that Rhode Island game, he dishes out six assists, and I think Grant, Coach Grant was speaking afterward. He was like, you know, teams are ready for this this kid Riller. You know, that's that's what the scouting report says this season. And Grant's going to have to adjust to that. Maybe he gets the ball out of his hands more. I think he's kind of conditioned to be the scorer for this team because they don't have a ton of scores. And some of these younger guys need to kind of figure things out. But he, he might need to get the ball out of his hands a little bit more, look to kind of maybe facilitate a little bit more this season. Yeah, definitely. I think I think if he's able to do that, especially uh, leading up to conference play, it'll open things back up for him, you know, maybe take some of the attention away from himself. But, you know, at the same time, like you said, we need that offense. And <laughs> I hate to see the ball out of his hands. <laughs> if, if we can, you know, find a way to get Grant going, I think, you know, hopefully – uh, getting the attention off of him a little bit by by having other guys step up and score. You know, we could see this team go from, uh, you know, what what is looking like a maybe third or fourth best team in the conference to being right back up there with Northeastern and how they've looked. I don't think it would be – time's going to tell how good from three this team is. I mean, who do you think is the team's best shooter this on this season's roster? You know, that, that's that's a tough question because, you know, Grant and Jarrell were hanging around 40% last year. Um, and I thought for sure, um, you know, Jalen would pick it up a little bit this year. And his shooting has looked a little better from behind the arc. Um, but I think this year it seems like Brevin's been the go-to guy from behind the arc. And, and I think that's because, you know, he's able to um, fly under the radar a little bit. The You know, Grant and Jarrell are taking on a lot of double teams. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, at that point, Brev standing wide open on the arc and and he had a you know he had a uh, reputation for that in high school being able to knock those down and it's good to see them going down now that he's finally getting some playing time he, he might be the guy he might be the one who's who's the best shooter maybe when Marquise Pointer gets back I wouldn't expect him to make a big jump in three-point shooting but maybe he gets guys some more open shots just being a senior point guard and, and maybe that helps a little bit but uh you know if I don't think Coach Grant is concerned about the three-point shooting. Like we said, I mean, a lot of the shots tonight were wide open and they just didn't go down, whether the guys were out of rhythm, whether they were kind of shaken by 
the run that Oklahoma State went on. I don't really know. But uh, right now, they, they need to kind of have that production, especially playing these bigger these bigger teams in non-conference play. I know we'll get to the LSU matchup here eventually, but I, you know, I was doing a little scouting on them and um, you know, with their athleticism, their size and, and the, the freshman five-star that they've got, I, <laughs> we're going to need those threes that drop to even have a chance on the road there. So, you know, otherwise a lot of the other stats in this Oklahoma state game were pretty much a wash second chance points, bench points, points in the paint, fast break points, pretty much even across the board. The, the big stats that stand out, Cougars got out-rebounded 39-30. And, uh, you know, the, the big one to me, obviously, is the three-point shooting. And a lot of that came in one smoldering stretch for Oklahoma State. And it seemed like Charleston fell into those runs or one of those ruts that we know they have. Uh, they had they did it a couple times last year where they just couldn't buy a bucket. Right, yeah. Um, you know, another thing that stood out to me tonight was the free-throw shooting as well. Um I think we finished the game right around 63%. And, you know, Coach Grant teams have traditionally been uh, pretty solid at free throws. I think a lot of that did have to do with Joe Cheeley and his skills there. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's that, that number's got to come up too. That's, a, you know, that's a big uh, big factor in playing a more athletic team. You got to get the points where you can get them, you know, in a, in a Big 12 gym. Right. Otherwise, Jarrell Brantley, you know, Ironman performance from him. He plays all 48 minutes. The only score in double figures, he had 24 points, pretty efficient, 10 for 15 from the field, 2 for 5 from 3. He started, I think, 0 for 3, and then hit 2 back-to-back in the second half. So he was able to step up a little bit, but the Cougars needed a typical game from Grant, would have been nice, or you know, a surprise game from somebody else. Jalen McManus, I thought, played well, 9 points, 5 rebounds off the bench, but uh, you know, even despite Jarrell's heroic performance, just not didn't have the horses to uh to make up for the lack of shooting yeah exactly and um you know i i do have to give some credit to oklahoma state michael weathers was great um i didn't know exactly mm-hmm. what to expect from him i hadn't actually seen him play um for for osu yet but um i watched a little bit of film on him from miami of ohio he's he's a solid player young guy and um i think uh you know mike Boynton will have a, a good little run there coming up oklahoma state you know they might turn things around with him back so maybe they get a, a win over Kansas or West Virginia or something like that in conference play. Yeah, that'd be that'd be big for them. Well, let's turn our attention to a more positive game. Rhode Island was the game before this. Probably the biggest home game of the year. I mean, at least the biggest home game out of conference. And the Cougars, you know, this game really put the clamps down defensively. So Rhode Island shot poorly on on open shots but they were really taken out of their game by charleston i thought so a couple stats 55 total points for the rams 34 percent shooting from the field two for 20 from three only four fast break points only led for a minute and 44 seconds what did you take away from the rhode island game yeah i mean the the defense was great it was just a textbook earl grant game there um you know, I said to my buddies that I was at the game with, I said, you know, there's there's no way Rhode Island's going to shoot 22% in the second half like they did in the first half. And, you know, they came out making a few more shots than they did. But but ultimately, we kind of, you know, kept the foot on the pedal the entire game there. Um, they they started to close the gap late, but it was, it was really encouraging to see, uh, you know, Grant kind of take over despite the points not coming as easily as they normally do. And, um, you know, just finding a way to uh, to win that game. 
Yeah, so we already kind of alluded to it, but Rhode Island was really focused in on Grant. He was getting double, triple teamed, but he responds in the second half. He kind of adjusts, finds those seams he typically finds, had a career-high six assists, so he was able to, to get other guys involved. I thought everybody who stepped onto the floor in that game contributed something. So Galloway and Jasper were both in double-figure scoring. Brantley had a very Brantley stat line of 17 and 8. Mm-hmm. McManus had had a couple points off the bench. Richard hit some free throws. Yeah, I, I think that is the textbook what Earl Grant wants to see, is just really good defense, well-rounded scoring. Doesn't have to be an electric scoring from the field, but you know, just enough to, to get it done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was another very encouraging thing was seeing, I guess it was four guys in double digits. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't see that too often in Charleston. Um, yeah. You know, usually it was it was two of the three of the three headed monster last year. But, you know, it was really nice, like you said, to see Brevin and Zepp in double digits and um, get some good points there from the Jalen's as well. The Jalen's yeah. that, that nickname is gaining steam. Let's just make it a thing. Let's let's make it official here. <laughs> the Jalen's coming off the bench. How about Zepp Jasper putting the clamps down on uh, on Fats Russell? I thought that was pretty awesome. I mean, those guys were, were going back and forth at it all game. But uh, I think, what were Fats' uh, final stats? Yeah, I, th- I think Fats was, um, I think he only, I think he was one of 10 from behind the arc, maybe. Or no, he made no shots behind the arc. Um, two of 15. Yeah, he really struggled. Yeah, that was that was great to watch. You know, we're, we we sit down there um, right on the baseline across from the student section. And, um, you know, to, to see the intensity that Zep plays with, um, it was getting a little chippy down there. And, you know, we talked about it. He was open field tackled at one point. But uh, yeah. to watch that up close and to see the tenacity from him as a defender, it was just, uh, you know, something cool to watch. It reminded me a lot of, you know, what we'd see out of Keese last year um, or, or Cam Johnson when, you know, when he was our primary defender. Yeah, Zep, Zep has this look in his eyes that I think the photographers captured a couple times where he is just like a man on a mission on defense. Yeah, he, he, it, 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 It's pretty awesome. He looks like a man that hasn't eaten for a week and, and uh, <laughs> meal and he's going for it. <laughs> so Charleston wins the boards in that game. 41-37, they out-rebound the Rams. Yeah, it seemed like, you know, Rhode Island was kind of forced into mid-range shots and kind of what Charleston was willing to give up. They turned to sort of the Towson bully ball there mm-hmm. late with... Uh, Langevine, uh, just throw it up, try and get the offensive rebound, try to get to the line. That helped them for a little bit, but they just could not get the types of shots that would help them pull ahead inside TD Arena. Right, yeah. Um, You know, we touched on it with the Oklahoma State game. You know, if you're going to shoot 10% from behind the arc on the road, usually not going to get it done. And it's it's not like we're shooting lights out from behind the arc, but uh, we did a great job of contesting those mid-range jumpers and, and forcing them into some tough shots. No, absolutely. So four games into the season, how do you feel about the Cougars? You you mentioned they're maybe not at NU's level, but kind of where would you gauge where things are as they go into a, a pretty big uh, Advocare Invitational tournament? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's great. We're we're three and one at this point. Um, you know, it, it was nice to get the the win at home against Rhode Island. I think, you know, we touched on it. The three point shooting needs to be cleaned up. Uh, some of, some of the turnovers, but I think a lot of that has to do with the you know the depth we're playing with and and the young uh, the young depth at that. We're you know we're rotating in three freshmen and um, 
you know, the, the chemistry is not completely there yet. It, it still seems like coach Grant's playing with some lineups. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be completely surprised to see Nick Harris get phased out of the starting lineup and go with something a little more athletic, uh, maybe, you know, playing Jarrell at center and then having like a four guard lineup or bringing Jalen McManus in um, just, uh, you know, based off of Nick's productivity thus far. And, and um, I think he's only got two points on the season. Yeah. You know, so I, I think, you know, coach Grant's still trying to find the identity with this team. And uh, I don't, I don't think there's any reason to panic. You know, LSU's used a, a tough game to come back after the, the game tonight. But um, I think if, you know, if we can keep it close there in, in Orlando and, you know, maybe somehow pull out the win, it would, it would mean a lot for this team moving forward. Yeah. The freshmen are learning on the fly for sure. Right. I know we came into this season with a pretty experienced team, but guys like Galloway and Jasper really haven't seen too much game action. And then, as you mentioned, throw in a couple more freshmen. Jalen McMahon is working his way back from injury. So you're going to have these types of games like you had against Oklahoma State. I think you're also going to have some games where the shots are raining down, the team pulls away, the freshmen are playing with energy. That's going to happen too. And I think that's just sort of the natural roller coaster of playing new lineups playing younger guys uh things like that so hopefully against lsu all those shots that were not falling against oklahoma state start to fall and yeah maybe maybe you pull off uh an upset yeah yeah it's um i mean it's gonna be tough i don't i don't know if you've watched naz reed play at all but <laughs> he's a beast. yeah he's a beast and you know he reminds me of of nathan knight a lot up at william and mary um except more athletic and, and slightly taller, I think. And, um, you know, I think that's going to be a matchup nightmare, but if we can find a way to contain him a little bit and, and knock down our uh, perimeter shots, we have a chance there. Yeah. So that, that brings up kind of Nick Harris again. Right. And, and we, we touched on it a little bit. He's got size and he's got, uh, you know, he brings it on defense and rebounding, but he is still not where he was last year in terms of offensive production. And it's a shame because the team was kind of struggling for points against Oklahoma State, and they just don't get anything from any of the three centers. I mean, you previewed those three guys. They all have defense and, and toughness and rebounding, but offensive versatility or offensive production is just not there. And I'm not going to you know, try to give teenagers a, a hard time yeah. or, or CFC students a, a hard time, but I think – you know, finding ways for those guys to, to get some confidence and, and get involved a little bit more, especially Nick, since he's starting every game, you know, is something that the, the coaching staff needs to sort of figure out. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that's another key plan in this in this big tournament here coming up this week is, you know, the big men do have to show up. We have to find a way to get points from them. And, um, you know, I think Osi and Samba just need to see if some more minutes, get some real playing time. And, uh, you know, like you said, let them get some confidence and, and get into a rhythm out there. And as far as Nick goes, you know, I, um, I love him to death. He just seems a little slower this year and like, he's got to shake off some rust. I, I don't know exactly what's going on in, in, in that world. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be nice if, uh, you know, one of those three could have sort of a coming out and, and, and show something off the bench. The downside to those Jarrell at the five lineups is kind of what we saw against Oklahoma State is guys have to foul on defense to, you know, if a guy gets past him or if a guy posts him up, especially the smaller guys like the freshmen, uh, Jasper and Moore, just get bullied in the paint. Right. Uh, you get 
offensive rebounding from the opponent and things like that. So you do give up those facets of the game if you're trying to, you know, have a more offensive-minded lineup. So we'll see what the Cougars decide to do, but let's move on to the to the Avocare Invitational. You mentioned Naz Reed. I've seen one clip of him, and he is he's pushing seven feet. He, I think he's 6'10", and he crossed somebody over. He crossed over like a smaller guard and hit a jumper, and I was like, oh, man. Yeah. This guy's gonna be trouble against CFC. Yeah, it's it's scary. I uh, <laughs> I don't know if there's an answer for it. He, he he might be the type of guy where you just have to take the L and focus on the other four guys on the court. Um, it's uh, you know, in the in the case that we do get through LSU, then I imagine we'll be playing Florida State, who might be an even tougher matchup. Um, yeah, you know, Leonard. Hamilton, it's a great field. Yeah, he always has them playing good basketball down there in Tallahassee and. And on the other side, UAB, if, if we happen to face the uh, the loser of that first-round matchup. Um, you know, in that case, I, I don't know a ton about UAB, but, you know, they're, they're a school that's similar in size to, to CFC and I think, um, you know, could yield a pretty nice matchup or at least a competitive basketball game. If we lose to LSU and presuming UAB loses, that's the, the next-day matchup. Yeah, and a going back to back LSU and FSU is pretty killer. Mm-hmm. And even if you get through that, you presumably play Villanova. Right. Although I don't know. I mean, Villanova just lost to Furman yeah. and, and lost back to back games. So it's not like they're going into the tournament with much uh, momentum. Right. Yeah. It's uh that, that Furman one. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to watch the game, but you know, I, <laughs> I saw it all over Twitter and I didn't know exactly what happened there. So yeah, I didn't catch it either, but Furman, Furman had a chance to win it in regulation on free throws and uh their center missed the front end with like two seconds to go and then uh he ended up hitting some shots same guy in in ot and uh Furman pulled away i think they outscored him like 16 to 8 in overtime wow so yeah i mean villanova's a little bit wounded but that's probably looking too much ahead uh you know right now charleston's got to be focused on that thanksgiving evening game against lsu charleston's played lsu a couple times the last few years they obviously pulled out a win against ben simmons at tv arena so these teams kind of know each other as much as non-conference teams can can know one another and it's just it's another opportunity you know charleston if they can shake this off this oklahoma state loss off and some of those same shots fall could be a a totally different outcome yeah yeah you know it's um it's exciting i i actually missed the um, LSU game. I, I guess it was my sophomore year. I was, uh, I had to work. What were you doing, man? I couldn't get anybody to cover for me. And, you know, I tried <laughs> to give them the sob story. I said, you know, I haven't missed a game to this point and you're going to have me miss this game. And, um, nobody bought my sob story. So I missed that one. And, uh, to my knowledge, the, the only game I missed is, is a time or as my time as a student at, um, CFC. So, you know, I, I, I need to move on from it, but I'm still a little upset, but you know, I, I really thought we should have beat them the next year. It was over winter break when we were playing them at their place, and and it was competitive. Yeah, that was a close. I one. thought we could have easily won that, and um, you know, ultimately LSU just pulled away towards the end there in the final two minutes. But um, you know, it it is it's cool to have uh, what could be you know a little uh, SEC CAA rivalry brewing there. <laughs> I love it. I'll I'll do you uh, one better on the missed games uh, tally there. I had the opportunity to go to the UNC game at CFC in 
2010, 2009, 2009 maybe. Yeah. Uh, the, the famous one that they mm. pulled off. I could have gone back from winter break a few days early. And I was thinking about doing it. And I was like, uh, you know, I don't want to drive down there and have like two days just watch CFC lose. <laughs> Uh, and then, yeah, I was watching the game with friends, and Gowdalock hits a three, and, and they win an OT, and I was like, God damn it. I should have been there. <laughs> that is tragic. Yeah. <laughs> I, I still watch replays of that game on YouTube. You know, I'll, I'll watch the highlights, throw them on probably once or twice a month just because, uh, you know, I'd love to see TD get electric like that again. Um, I've only seen it sold out twice, I think, and that was against uh, Louisville my senior year of high school, I think that was an ugly game yeah that was that was rough and you know <laughs> i think they eventually did they win the national championship that year were they coming off a national championship i think, I think they yeah one, one of the two yeah ah uh, yeah that was rough <laughs> <laughs> so you know it, it can go either way but uh to the fans out there listening just show up to to those big games because you never know when uh cfc is going to pull the upset right anything else on avocare invitational uh, you know, I, I think I mentioned everything. I, I wanted to get that Nas Reed thing in there. And, um, you know, I think another thing that stood out to me about LSU is that, um, you know, they haven't they haven't played a, a big opponent yet, but they are playing nine guys um, and all of them are averaging double digit minutes per game. Um, so, you know, that's something worth mentioning, I think, uh, where we're going to have to match up with their depth where they can probably stay fresh a little longer than we can. It's a good point. Yeah, I didn't know that. I saw they had struggled against like Louisiana Tech and maybe one other game this season that they kind of had to eke out at the end. So, right. uh, yeah, I mean, Charleston might be the toughest team they've played so far. So maybe it's a, an opportunity like Charlotte had against Oklahoma State where, you you know, catch them sleeping. Maybe they're looking ahead to uh, to the second round down in Orlando and, and maybe Charleston, you know, can, uh, can give them a tough time. Let's hope. Let's hope. But yeah, overall, I mean, just to be in that field uh, down in Orlando with Villanova, Florida State, LSU, Memphis is in the field too. Big opportunity for Charleston, some good press for them on the national stage. So it, it should be a good tournament. Definitely. Yeah, it's it's exciting. And, and the tournament in LA next year is very exciting. It's good to see us playing in some, uh, some quality events. You know, I think the Last year, the Alaska tournament was a little bit of a disappointment. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really thought we should have won that one. But, uh, you know, it's good to see us playing in some high-profile events. So what would be successful for Charleston to come out of uh, out of that tournament? Is Could they come out of that 1-2 and two and you'd be okay? Or do they have to go 2-1 and one or 3-0 and oh in that? You know, I, in an ideal world, we'd at least start 1-0. and oh. Um in the case that we do not, though, I, I really would like to see us go two and one, um, you know, because I think we could handle UAB. And then on the other side of the bracket, I guess we'd either end up playing Memphis or um, who's the other team in the in the field? It's like uh, Canisius or yeah, something. Yeah, Canisius, that's right. Um, I believe we should handle them as well. So, you know, in the case that we lose the first game, um, two and one would be my expectation. And I'd be very satisfied with that. But, uh, you know, if we win the first game... <laughs> all of a sudden one and two doesn't look that bad, uh, you know, playing Florida state and maybe Oklahoma state again. Right. So, yeah. So that's, that's potentially something that could happen is we could play Oklahoma state again. Cause this was the game today was a non-bracketed game. And then, you know, depending on how the advocate works out, we could actually match up with them again. Right. And, you know, actually I would, 
It'd be very nice to kind of another crack at him. Like another crack, you know, some in a game where we're shooting a little better. Um, you know, I don't I don't think we can shoot much worse if if we could get maybe into the the 30th percentile for for three point shots. Uh, you know, maybe we'd have a competitive game tonight. Yeah, yeah, I would love if the team could start hitting like 30, at least 33 percent from from three. I mean, hitting at least one out of every three shots would go a long way. They're pretty dreadful so far on the season. Grant and Jarrell upping their stats there would would really help. Uh, I think they have to at least hit 33. Uh, Against LSU, I I would say at least 35. Easily, yeah. Ideally in the 40s against LSU. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so uh, I wanted to wrap up real quick by just looking around the CAA see what some of those other teams are doing. So we mentioned NU earlier. I think Northeastern's still the team to beat. Uh, Obviously, they're playing down in Charleston. They beat Alabama uh, in their first game, which is a big win for the conference. Pretty dominant win for Northeastern. Alabama was never really in that. So the CAA picks up uh, an SEC win. Then uh, Northeastern loses to Virginia Tech pretty badly. Virginia Tech moves on to the finals. And I think right now, Northeastern's playing Davidson. So we'll see uh, how, how they come out of that game. That's a good matchup for them. Did you catch any of the Charleston Classic? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I um, you know I tuned in to the Northeastern-Alabama game, and uh, Northeastern looked great. I, they made Bama look like a high school team. And, you know, they eventually, I think Bama beat Wichita State today. So it's not like they're just uh, some run-of-the-mill team there. Um, you know, it's been impressive to see Northeastern playing well without Sean Osius out there. And I think yeah. – uh, I think Borsico's out too. Um, yeah, this uh, Jordan Roland guy has just come out of nowhere. I think he scored thirty-five earlier this year. And yeah, yeah, contributing. So, um, yeah, I, I, I've been impressed with Northeastern. I think they're still the clear-cut favorite in the CAA, as much as it pains me to say it. Um, but uh, you know, moving forward, I think if we can shape up, I, we can produce a good matchup against them. If um, you know, we start shooting the ball a little better. Yeah, and you can definitely shoot. I think they're on the season they're shooting like forty five percent from three. So it's like the CA tournament championship game kind of carried over. They look really good and they've added a shooter in, in Jordan Rowland who's who's really good. Right. So we'll see. I mean they might they might come out of the Charleston Classic two and one. Which again, you know, good wins for the league. JMU is four and oh. They've only played two division one teams, both were on the road. Uh, and they eke out wins in both of those. They played at East Carolina and at Charlotte, the team that just beat Oklahoma State. UNCW struggled. I know you love to see that. Yep. <laughs> uh, UNCW has struggled in their first three games. They just picked up the first win today uh, against Allen University, a non-D1. Devontae Kaycock had 26 rebounds. Jeez. He's, uh, yeah. I think he's the guy in the CAA right now that has the best chance of uh, legitimately playing in the NBA. He's just a beast under the basket. Um you know, as much as it pains me to give credit to, to anybody at UNCW, Kaycock is a full-grown man out there. He's a tough guy to play against for sure. Yeah, and he, he looks like, you know, he he didn't have great games against uh, maybe two of the, the first three opponents that UNCW played, but seems like he's got his confidence back. I mean, 26 rebounds is <laughs> nuts, even if you are playing a bunch of, like, 6'4 and under guys. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you mentioned JMU too. I think they play the Citadel this week, and I'm excited to watch they do. that. Um, 
you know, Duger Balcom, he, he runs that uh, fast pace offense there. I think their motto is embrace the pace. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, I don't think the Citadel is a team that you can kick around as easily this year. Um, I, you know, I have to give them a little respect since, you know, my brother and dad went there, but um, JM, you had a young team last year. I think they might've been the youngest in the CAA. So, you know, they're, they're a team that's on the rise and uh, Stucky Mosley's playing great again. And um, a few other guys are contributing. So I've, I've been impressed with them so far. I think I think JMU is going to get a bye in the tournament. I think they're going to finish top six. Um, you know, if they'll be competing with like Delaware and UNCW for that spot. Right. And uh, yeah, I, I think that that young team has kind of grown. It's one of those cases where they brought everybody back. So, yeah, I think JMU is it's going to be a tough out uh, for the Cougs this year. Uh, last team i wanted to check in on was william and mary uh, i watched a little bit of their game at notre dame that was without uh pierce who was injured in the in the game before william and mary was hanging at notre dame game came down to the last five minutes and notre dame kind of pulled away but william and mary another team that's going to be a, a tough team for cfc to play i don't know if i'm ready to put them above cfc in like the power rankings but we know the kind of offense they run and, and they're going to put up some points. Right. Yeah. That, I mean, that's always worrisome with them is that they shoot the ball incredibly well year in and year out. And I think, I think last year they were the first NCAA team to shoot 50, 40 and 80. Um, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And it's the most frustrating thing to watch when, when you're on the wrong side of that. But um, yeah, I was, I was impressed with the performance against Notre Dame and I don't think Paul Rowley played either. And um, you know, he's another one of their senior leaders that he doesn't contribute as much, but he he's at least a, uh, I guess a steady hand out there. If um, you know, things start sliding away from him. Nathan Knight had a good game against Notre Dame. I think he, I think he fouled out of the game prior Um but he had like 18 and maybe even a double double against Notre Dame. He looked, he looked like he back to his old self. Yeah, yeah, he's always gonna do his thing. He um, he gave us some trouble last year, as you know, with uh, I think he had 29 in a game and 31 in another game. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, those 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 athletic big men typically give us trouble. Anything else you want to touch on, either from the CAA or from the the two games this week? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think we covered everything. I just, you know, I'm excited to see how the team shapes up moving forward. And, um, you know, hopefully this uh, shooting issue can be addressed and, and ultimately uh, we can round into form once conference play comes. Uh, I think we start with UNCW on the 28th or 29th of December. And, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, that's a game I'm going to make the trip for. I'm going to drive on up to Wilmington nice. and see if I can make some noise via a, a one-man army. <laughs> yeah. I think we usually have a pretty good contingent of fans who go up there. Yeah, yeah. The alumni association has actually done a great job of, um, you know, organizing events for the road games, especially within the conference. And, um, you know, that's that's been exciting to see if, if, if we can get, you know, 50 to 100 people to show up on a road game. That's, that's impressive. All right, Colin. Well, I'm going to give you the last couple seconds of, uh, of the show here. The stage is yours, whatever you want to say to the people. Yeah, Tommy, I, I appreciate you having me on the show. And, um, you know, it, you guys can give me a follow on Twitter. It's my name, just at uh, Cullen underscore Baldwin. Um, I also have a message for all the young alumni out there. And in case you don't know, we have a, a cool young alumni ticket package here at CFC. It's it's a great thing to take advantage of. Tickets are cheap and you get 
decent seats. And um, as far as the students, if anybody's listening, love the turnout this year. Just keep making noise and uh, be sure to show up when UNCW comes to town. <laughs> Cullen Ball wins personal vendetta against UNCW. I love it. <laughs> to be continued. It's not done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks for joining. We're going to keep watching the Cougars uh, this Thanksgiving weekend. They've got a great tournament. And, uh, yeah, like Cullen said, make sure you, you continue to cheer them on because despite the loss to Oklahoma State, the team is, uh, is still in really good shape. Mm-hmm.